Well, thanks for tuning in to the Essential Craftsman Podcast. I'm Nate. Before we get into today's interview, I have a quick announcement. We have a new Instagram account. It's called Craftsman Essentials, and I invite all of you to check it out if you're a regular Instagram user. We're going to use this account as a place to share the tools, the gear, the camera, tech, all of the products and things that we use regularly at Essential Craftsman, the things that we love, we're going to post and share them there. There's going to be clothing. There's going to be, like I said, antique and old tools as well as new tools that can be bought today. And it's mostly photos, but there'll be some stories and such. I am a very serious consumer slash online shopper. Honestly, I just love it. And so if if you're that type of a person, you'll probably enjoy it. But it's also good if you're not, because it will be a helpful spot to find recommendations for gift items and some ideas on prices if you're shopping for something used. For example, lots of the old tools my dad has um, can kind of only be bought used. And so we're going to be sharing, when we share those items, we'll talk and share some of the price guidelines that we have found, you know, like for anvils, for example. So I hope you check it out if you're an Instagram person. Now, today's interview is with Sean Van Dyke. And I learned about Sean from Chris Ermides from This Old House. Sean is a contractor business coach or consultant. And we have hired consultants with Essential Craftsmen now four times, I believe. And every time we've come away way ahead in terms of what we paid the person. You know, we have felt often like we're kind of in another world here making this video content. And we certainly don't know very, we we certainly don't always know what the right choice is and how to strategize and, and how to do this. And so paying for advice has been a really valuable tool for us. And so I was, I don't know, I was really excited to learn about Sean and he's providing this same type of a service for contractors. If you're a contractor or if you know a contractor or been around a lot of contractors, you'll know there's parts of the business that can get a little haywire and can lead to issues in the business. This is why so many contractors don't make it for the long run. And this is probably why so many contractors are always kind of behind and late and disappointing their customers because it's not easy to run a business. Talking with Sean and hearing him speak just generally about contracting was really fun and kind of, I I appreciated it because here's a guy who has been successful in it and has helped other people become successful. It is a great business and I'm sure we have listeners who are going to take away some things from this for their contracting business that will be helpful. Sean wrote a book called Profit First for Contracting. If you feel like you could use some help, that would be a good place to start. That's a very low cost way to get some good information. The book has like sterling five-star reviews on Amazon and appears to be very well loved. And he has other services that we talk about towards the end of the interview. But for the most part, this is just he and I talking about contracting, what it is that makes it a challenging business, and some of the things that he has developed and some of the systems and, and ways that he advises his clients who are contractors looking to improve their life, reduce their stress, and build systems to manage their business. Without any further ado, my conversation with Sean Van Dyke.
Sean, thanks for taking the time to come and chat with us today. Uh, how's it? How's it going? How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Will you give us? I read your bio on your website, but will you give me and the audience a big picture of your background and kind of how you got to where you are now, and kind of give us the the backstory? Yeah, sure. So, uh, by education and training, or by just sending a lot of tuition money to the University of Tennessee, I eventually ended up with a couple of engineering degrees. So I uh, started my career in construction, even though that might offend some people when they say, oh, he used to be an engineer. I make fun of engineers because he used to be one, but I got a (laughs) degree in civil engineering and then a master's in structural engineering and then went out and did the engineering thing for several years and then realized I don't really know how to build anything and I wanted to get out on the job site. So transition from, I say transitioned from engineering into construction. I really got laid off from the engineering firm I was working for uh, and went and joined a project management team for a large commercial contractor that put me out on large commercial sites, uh, building all sorts of stuff. And I really, really liked that. Um, Did that for a few years, then wound my way up working for some architects and then for a real estate developer and doing construction management. So I ended up traveling around the country, building commercial real estate projects, you know, big box stores and the outlot developing outlots and all of that kind of stuff. Did that for several years. And by this time I was married, had, I have five kids now. So the second kid was on the way and my wife was like, I'm glad you're enjoying your job, but, uh, you got to stick around here. I mean, I was on the road three or four days a week, wherever the projects were. So that was my first business that I started back in 2005 was a construction management and real estate development company. Uh, And I'm here in Knoxville, Tennessee. So I was doing that work here locally. Then, you know, 2008 hit and banks were not lending money to real estate developers anymore. Uh, So I transitioned from there and started a remodeling and uh, general contracting business. People these days call it a pivot. I didn't realize pivoting at the time. I just, by this time I had four kids, three kids, fourth (laughs) on the way. I don't know. I can't keep (laughs) track of them. Uh, (laughs) So uh, put the tool belt on and started a small construction company and built it up from there. And then one of my subcontractors, my trim and millwork subcontractor, young guy, we went to church together. His business was blowing up because he got into the high end uh, trim and millwork um, market here in, in our area. And typical, (laughs) typical, construction business owner, great craftsman, horrible business person. And he yeah. approached me one day and said, man, you're, I like the way that you run your construction business and everything's huh. always organized. Uh, I want to talk to you about like how to run a better business. So we met up for lunch and was talking to him about that and giving him some tips and tricks. And, and I didn't know he was interviewing me at the time. He said, okay, well, I think I need to hire somebody to run my construction business or my trim and millwork company. Huh. And, uh, he's, and I said, yeah, I think you should do that because you're a horrible business person, but you're an awesome, you know, you're awesome craftsman and great with the guys and out in the field. And and the work was just unbelievable. And he just said, okay, I want you to do it. And so I, I thought I was like, no, I got my own thing going on. I'm okay. And he's a great salesman. And he's like, listen, you have a small construction company. It's going to take you 20 years to get where you want to be. I'm already in those projects as a subcontractor. We've landed some really high end stuff, but I, this business that we just acquired, meaning that the project's coming up, he said, it's mm-hmm. going to put me out of business doing these projects because I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he, so he said, uh, I want you to come and run the business. And I thought I'd call his bluff and say, okay, the only way I'm going to run your business is that you let me run the business. You run the field, I'll run the business, but I'm, I'm in charge of the business side of it. 
And he said, no problem. And he literally pulled out a manila folder with the entire business in it, just random paper. Here's the business slid across the table and said, you run it. And uh, I went home, talked to my wife and I said, this is a crazy idea. This is really stupid, but my friend's going to suffer. And he was right. It was an opportunity to get on some really into high level projects, high end projects that I'd already Mm -hmm. always been wanting to do. And so I just kind of stepped back and said, all right, maybe we should do this. And, uh, so bit the bullet went on, went, joined that team as a, as the chief operating officer. And at the time, I think we had six guys out in the field and within 18 months we were at 22 guys and the company was in debt and not making any money. And we kind of turned that around. And, and again, that wasn't all me. We had great team uh, and a great owner that had a really good vision. And I was just the executor and putting systems in place. So did that for about four years and then got another crazy idea saying, Hey, what I've done with my businesses and now with this trim and millwork business, I think I see a, the problem here within an industry, I think I can help a lot more business mm-hmm. owners with systems. And I, all I know is construction. That's all I'd ever done. And so after about four years of being the executive there, I left that, uh, left that job and started writing books and, and speaking at industry events. And now it's four years later and I've been doing coaching and consulting work strictly mm-hmm. for construction business owners since that was back in 2016. So yeah, right at four wow. years, I've been doing this. Um, before we move on, but are you recommending to your kids, they go to college? You spent a lot of time in college. You said a master's in engineering of some type. So Talk about that for a sec. Are you going to... Man, you're going to make me... If my mom what? hears this, she's going to get offended. <laughs> she gets offended every time I say yeah. that. But um, am I encouraging my kids to go to college? No, not specifically. I'm encouraging my kids to develop skills in areas that interest them mm-hmm. and figuring out how they can make money at it. Now, some of those things that some of my kids are interested in now will require them to go to college. But especially as we're seeing in 2020, man, college has changed. They're still charging the same tuition rate, but they're not allowing you to go on campus and all of the other things that higher education said, like, here's where our value is. Now they're saying, nope, can't come to campus. We're going to do it all virtually. So I think the whole world has changed. So, But to answer your question, no, I don't encourage my kids to go to college. I don't discourage them from going to college. Yeah. I feel like it's my job as a parent when you're out on your own, which I got four boys and a baby girl. Uh, I, I say baby girl. She's five. She's always going to be my baby girl. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the boys, they're on their own at 18. Yeah. And you better figure out how you're going to make money at 18. And if that means you're going to college, then you know what? It took me. I was on the five-year plan to get my undergraduate. Now it was a four year plan, right? But I worked the entire time and paid for most of my, most of my college through work. They can do the same thing. So, um, and it, you know, if you look statistically, it takes most people at least six years to get an undergraduate degree and only 40% of incoming freshmen even graduate with a degree at all. So yeah, do I encourage them to go that path? Only if it interests them only, only if that's, that's where their future lies. Hey, you know, they, one of my kids wants to be a doctor. Yeah, you probably better go to college. Right. Um, 
I have several of them that are interested in computer stuff and graphic design and, and other things. And I got my 14 year old son this year, just started working for a contractor and yeah. over the summer and he came home with more money and more cash in his pocket. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I said, yeah, that's what happens when you go work and that's what happens yeah. when you develop a skill. So, Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, at least college has always been expensive. At least you used to get a good party out of it. Now they took that away. You can't even, yeah, like, exactly. you know, can't visit the party. So it's sort of what, it, what's left. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. so I, I've known a lot of contractors in my life. My dad, who's the, our, our audience is, is pri- really familiar with it. my dad. Primarily he's been a contractor my whole life and I'll include him in this sort of, but most of the contractors I know are, are kind of always just, a. I don't want to say like overly stressed out, but it's not a it's not a laid back job or career. And I have known a couple who seem to be have, have it more like a business. But will you just talk about generally what's like the default that contractors find themselves? You could probably describe it better than I can in terms of you know running from one job to another and and maybe focusing on the task at hand. And and I know bookkeeping, for example, just gets left behind. But maybe talk about what the what the default is or what, what you see as like the core, I don't know, maybe not problem, but the, the default setting for most contractors. Yep. Absolutely. Most contractors are people pleasers. And I mean that as a compliment, they like to, uh, they like to build things, create things and show it to other people, but not in an arrogant way. They like to stand back from their work and look at the smile on other people's faces because other people don't know how to do what they do. That's their default. We want to please people. Unfortunately, the problem with that is when you when you combine that with being a business owner, sometimes your what is going to please your customers the most does not bring pleasantness to the current situation. So, for example, hey, let's talk about the budget that you have. Well, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to do that because what are they mm-hmm. going to say? What are, I know that this customer doesn't have the budget for the thing that they just described, and I don't want to make yeah. them feel nervous. I just want to get the job and show them that I can do really good work, and then everybody will be happy at the end. And, yeah. and I'm sorry, you're in business, and you're in business to make a profit. If not, you're running a charity, and, you, and it's okay. If you want to run a charity, just get really clear on what a charity is and what it does and how it runs at mission. But if you want to start your own business, you got to you got to be in it for the money. Now, that doesn't mean that we do things just for the money. But at the end of the day, if you're not making a profit, then you're just going to be running around pleasing people. So I I say that they're people pleasers at heart. And that's a really good thing when you when they but they'll struggle in that people pleasing because it's uncomfortable to say, hey, that wasn't in your contract and Mm -hmm. we're going to have to charge you more for it. In fact, oh, we never really got a contract because that's that's weird. That's hard. There's a bunch of legal stuff. I got. I, I can just just let me build. Just get out of the way and let me build, and you're going to be really happy. And that's where most builders, the stress like you were talking about, uh, they were talk that you were talking about is that they're just running around trying to please mm-hmm. people, and they mm-hmm. hold all that stress on themselves. And then they talk to other contractors that are doing exactly the same thing, and they say, "Yep, this is just this is the way it is. We get a lot of satisfaction out of building this project, but you know, customers are really hard." Uh, no one ever wants to pay our price. We're not making any money, but man, we can make a lot of people happy. And it comes at the sacrifice of a lot of wasted time, a lot of wasted effort and, and, uh, a lot of wasted money, unfortunately. 
So I, I know there's some contractors and their style is to be in order to maybe not overcompensate, but in order to not be a people pleaser, they can be real hard nose and they have a long list of dissatisfied um, customers and employees, you know, they'll kind of cast them off quickly. So I, I, I'm hoping and taking what you're saying is there is some sort of a middle ground where you, you still leave your customers pleased and you don't leave a wake of, um, you know, angry folks, but yeah. you don't get walked all over. Is that sort of the, the goal? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you'll eventually just end up hard nosed and, and one of those arrogant type of contractors that people don't, you know, that people don't really like. And unfortunately, when, when you're abrasive and when there's a lot of friction there, you know, yeah. people don't necessarily go and run around and say what a great person you are. Uh, I mean, hopefully, hopefully they will. But when you create friction with somebody or you displease them or something wrong happens, man, they will tell everybody. And then that, unfortunately, mm. it's the bad stuff that gets spread more and that than, than the good stuff um, mm. sometimes. And so you, you have to get out, you know, you have to get out in front of that. And for a lot of contractors that may be listening, this is a piece of advice I give a lot of my clients to say, the, because you're a people pleaser, it's good to be kind to people. And the kindest thing you can do for people, whether you're employees or they're your customers, the kindest thing you can do is tell people the truth. Hey, you want to build that new house? You got $700,000 to do it. We're looking at the plans. I've talked to the architect. Mm -hmm. This is a million dollar project. I know you don't want to hear it, but mm -hmm. that's the truth. And mm -hmm. anybody that tells you they can do it for your budget is lying to you or they're incompetent. Yeah. So I don't enjoy this part of the conversation, but I'm going to tell you the truth because it's the kindest thing that I can do for you. Now, if you want to work with us, let's work on what the act budget actually needs to be. We can increase the budget if you want to, or we can decrease the scope. And all of this is kind of uncomfortable, but it's the mm -hmm. truth. And at the end of this, if we can agree, then we're going to be able to move forward because building any project, whether it's a small remodeling project, custom house. I don't care if you're doing handyman services. The kindest thing you can do to, for somebody is to tell them the truth. Same thing goes to your employees. Hey, you come in and you've got it. And you'll, you've probably, your dad's probably experienced this too. Guy comes in 20 years experience, all the tools in the world can do anything, right? Mm -hmm. Comes in, but man, he won't fill out his time card. Mm -hmm. He won't, he won't turn in his receipts. He won't train someone else and slow down and like, mm -hmm. and take the time with him because he knows everything. And uh, so, as the business owner, you got to pull somebody like that aside and say, Hey, Jim, you're awesome. I know you have all the experience in the world. I know you've got mm -hmm. every tool and every trick up your sleeve. This is me being kind to you. Nobody likes working with you. Mm -hmm. So we need to change that. Otherwise, and this is just the truth. You can't work here. I know mm -hmm. you can do anything, but no one wants you to do, you know, I know you can do everything, but no one wants you to do anything around here. We can't stand being around you. So let's mm -hmm. fix that contractors, wow. business owners, they don't want to have that conversation because they've probably developed some calluses. And like you said, you know, they're hard nosed, you know, uh, against those things. Um, but that's where I just default is like, just tell people the truth. Customers there, and employees. Is there a difference or I know that very few people enjoy conflict and maybe there's some, but some people will avoid conflict and confrontation to the extent that it makes their life more challenging. So what, what do you tell the folks? Even like those conversations, it sounds great hearing you say that. And it sounds so easy. But even myself, sometimes when I have like a uncomfortable conversation that I just kind of don't want to have a lot, most times or a lot of times, I'll just kind of be like, eh, I'll just I'll just, you know, just bury it down or, or something like that. So are, is that something that people can 
get better on? Or is that just part of your personality and you have it and I don't? Well, personality does play a big role in into how you communicate with other people. And whenever you hire or work with clients, employees, architects, designers, whoever, you know, uh, human beings are all different. We all come to conversations with a different personality. So it can be complex, but you just have to realize what that is. And it comes down to self-awareness. Like I'm a very direct person um, and every I approach things with a system. A systematic mindset. So like what you're saying here is like, oh, how do you have that conversation? Well, you're talking to someone that used to be an engineer, very systematic way of thinking. So we just develop a system when someone gets hired or when we would hire somebody, we say, okay, listen, awesome. We're, we're mm-hmm. so happy that you're here, but just letting you know how, how things are going to go. Eventually we're going to have to have some difficult conversations. It might be about a project. It might be about your performance. It might be about whatever, we're going to default to the kindest thing that we can do to anybody, do for anybody is tell them the truth. So we're pro- when we have a difficult conversation, here's how we're going to go through it. We're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the things that you need to start doing. We need to, we're going to talk about the things that you need to stop doing. And we're going to talk about the things that you need to continue doing. So, and this is a conversation with, like I said early on, when we went from six guys to 22 guys, we, it, this wasn't something I just came up with. It was something that developed because when you hire that mm-hmm. quickly, you have to fire pretty quickly too when you don't have a hiring system in place. But we, mm-hmm. we landed on this when we would hire somebody saying, hey, here's our system for difficult conversations. So we're going to call you and say, hey, Jim, we need you to come in the office. We have to have a difficult conversation. And remember, we talked about this before, before there were emotions yeah. or whatever. We're going to talk. We're going to have a start, stop and continue conversation. So oh, come to man. the conversation and we're going to talk about the things I want to hear what you think you need to stop. And then mm-hmm. I want to, for you to self-evaluate and think, what can you start doing that may help the company or help you in your position or, or whatever it is? And then we're going to talk about things that you can continue, like the things that you're really awesome at. But why don't you kind of self-evaluate when we come into this? Let's just t- say what it is. It's going to be a little bit awkward. And then I, as the leader or the executive or whatever, I would always start that conversation and say, the whole point of this, again, this is just me systematically trying to walk somebody through this. The whole point of this is so that it is constructive, not critical. Mm-hmm. If it sounds critical, tell me the truth. Be kind to me and say, hey, I, I took offense to that because my, my, uh, my goal here is not to be offensive. I want to be constructive and not critical. If it seems critical, let's stop the conversation and deal with it right there. Can we agree on these terms? And when you set that up, like I said, in, in the hiring process, you tell someone, hey, here's our system for difficult conversations. We're going to have difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, then when they come into that, they have a framework. They've got some context for it. Sure, they're, you know, if somebody's not performing well, then it it should be a difficult conversation because you, ha- you hired them to do a job. They're not doing that job, but at least we can get to the nuts and bolts of it and talk yeah. about it. Same thing yeah. with same thing with clients too. I mean, you're not going to have the same type of conversation, but you need to lay out like, hey, here's here's how the process is going to go. Let me go ahead and tell you, since we're professionals, we've done this a lot. Here's where our clients usually get stuck. This mm-hmm. is where they get frustrated. And this is where th- there may be a gap in some information. So yeah. when these things happen, if you're feeling stuck or you're feeling frustrated, it's okay. Here's how you need to communicate with us. Maybe you contact me, the owner. Maybe you maybe you contact the, the project manager. Or that's why it's really important for you to show up and be active in our weekly owner's meetings, whatever that thing is. I just say that difficult stuff, you can build a system for it. 
build a system mm-hmm. for it and get out in front of it and say, hey, something's not going to go right down the road. Let's just go ahead and talk about how we're going to deal with that yeah. when it pops up. Yeah, prepare. I had a boss at, who was really good at that, and I really appreciated that. And you know, you said it's earlier about it being kind, and I remember kind of having that thought, like, oh, I'm so glad he told me that, so I didn't, you know, keep making his life worse for without knowing. And even though it was a little uncomfortable, and you know, I didn't particularly enjoy it, but it really is the kindest thing to, you know, even in a construct, in, even in a critical way, keep somebody on the right track rather than let them find out way later and then feel even worse about whatever the thing was or, or have to lose the job as opposed to saying, I could, maybe I could have fixed that if you gave me a chance or something. Yeah. What, one of the, one of those conversations, again, I don't know that there was a lot of structure around it, but I still go back to this. I don't know how many years ago, 15, 20 years ago, whatever it was, was working for that commercial contractor. And my job was the quality control project manager. And it was on a large commercial project and we we're kind of getting down towards the end. It was a student housing complex here in, in Knoxville for the university of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And it was my job for every different type of apartment unit that was in here all of the bath hardware, all of the door hardware, all of that stuff. I had to track and bring it in and, and organize it and make sure that everybody had it or whatever. Anyway, mm-hmm. the, uh, the senior project manager just came into my office one day. He just stuck his head and said, hey, Sean, uh, got to tell you, you're doing an awesome job. You really have everything organized and really appreciate you, that you're here. And I'm like, oh, this is great. He said, but the problem is you get it to the one yard line and you let's you let it coast in. You're trying to coast into the end zone. Mm-hmm. And he was, and I knew, I knew he was absolutely mm-hmm. right. Right. Yeah. Because I would spend so much time in all of the details and get it all like, and then just like, Oh, I would drive. <laughs> Cause you get tired. Right. <laughs> yeah. He just told me, he was like, listen, you're great at your job. Here's how uh-huh. you stuck, but this is what we need you to do. And when, uh-huh. and I mean, it was a 10 second conversation when he walked out of there, I was like, he's absolutely right. I know exactly what I need to do. I need to pick up my game. And yeah. it's still a story that I tell today. It's a great leadership example. Just saying, hey, here's what you're good at. Here's yeah. what you're not doing. And here's what I need you to do. We good? Yeah. Okay. If not, you're gonna, you're probably not going to be able to work here. It wasn't threatening. It was just like, yeah. man, it's your job. Yeah. Go do it. And I was like, and I still, I'm so appreciative of that guy because yeah. it, it helps put me on the path of like, I just use that example. Like when I see it, hey, let's have this weird conversation. Your yeah. job is not in jeopardy yet. If I let it go, then I, I will start to get pissed off about it because it's just going to add up. So I yeah. get in front of it pretty quickly and say, hey, let's fix yeah. this. That thing he did and what you mentioned is such a good, almost a a tip for people who struggle. You can start these conversations by just telling them something good, get them on the right mindset and be very sincere. And that just really is such a helpful way to then, this is really great this is not so great. And man, it's like just as, as opposed to the boss we've all had who just, just hones in on like the, you never get positive feedback. And so you just only feel like you're terrible. So it sounds like a great, a great leader. So let me ask you, I know there's contractors who don't actually care too much about the money. I mean, some folks really are running a business and they want to, you know, have a cabin at Lake Tahoe someday, but not everybody does. And so are there ways that improving a, a contractor's business who who isn't there for the money can improve their life still? Or are there other perks besides just making more money that people should be thinking about if they w- might w- need to improve their business? Uh, no, that's my short answer. <laughs> okay. Like if you own the business, you better be in it for the money. 
Now, I, a lot of people are going to hear that and they're like, no, and because I hear it all the time. Well, I'm not, I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it for the passion. I'm in it for the craftsmanship. I'm in it for yeah. all these things. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you own the business, you need to be in it for the money. But I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the money for the sake of money. Like you got to think about the, like the Bill Gates, the Warren Buffetts, the Jeff Bezos of the world. Like they're not running their businesses for the money, but the money is a measure of effectiveness. Mm-hmm. Now, what I find is most contractors that tell me like, hey, Sean, I'm really not in it for the money. That's usually because they've never made any. Mm-hmm. So I say, if you're not in it for the money, run a really great business, make a ton of money and then give it all away. Mm-hmm. It's much better than never. You can change the world in bigger ways and have exactly the life that you want. Yeah. And it's better to give it all away. You're still at the same place. Hey, I'm, it's not yeah. about it's not about the money. Great. Make a bunch of it and give it away and impact the world. You saying like, I'm not going to charge more than my competition and I'm not going to push for this thing. Hey, listen, money is a measure of effectiveness. The yeah. more money that you make, it means the more effective you are. Now, I'm not talking about the guys that cheat and and get you know cut corners and all of those kind of contractors we all know. I'm not talking about those guys, but I'm talking about that guy that's sitting at home saying, "Well, I'm not. It's not really about the money, man. Make it about the money because mm. the only reason people will give you more money is because you're adding more value to their lives. When you figure mm. out a system to do that, then the money starts pouring in. Then you don't have to worry about the money. Then you got the money to go do other things with it, like pouring into your into your community, hiring mm-hmm. people, taking more time with them and transforming someone's life. So for contractors yeah. to tell me, well, Sean, I'm not really about the money. I'm like, Hey, just go get a job, go get a job <laughs> and yeah. take that passion and that effort and all of the time you're willing to sacrifice and yeah. take the business part out of it and go be a great employee for somebody else yeah. that is about the money. Cause they will take your passion and your effort and your time and they will help you make a dent in the world. But if you sit yeah. back and just say, man, I'm not about the money then then I say, then don't be in business. Yeah, that's really smart. It's it's really not for everybody. I mean, I don't even know if it's for most people. Let's say there's some younger contra- or tradesmen listening to this who are really happy with their job and doing well at it. In fact, I, I'm thinking of a couple who helped on this spec house project we're building. Guys who are great and they, and they have a great job being treated really well by their boss. But maybe in the back of their mind, think someday I might want to try my own thing. What what kind of things can those people be doing now, you know, to prepare learning or what, what type of um, separate from learning the trade can guys do who think they might want to be in business, you know, five years from now? Yeah, that's a great question. And this is what I always tell young, young guys and gals that are starting out that have that similar question. Like, hey, I think I might want to go do my own thing. Then, then I say, okay, spend 24 months being the absolute best employee that you can be for your boss. Make it painful for your boss when you leave, what I mean is when you say, Hey, I'm going to go try my own thing. They're like, man, how can I get along without you? You have done everything for me. Right. And you're, you're so like your attitude's great. You show up on time. You are, you're owning, you know, you're owning your job and doing that. Like just go be the best employee because what will happen is if you don't understand what it takes to be the best employee and you go out and start a business, then you're going to have employees exactly like you that think after a year or two, oh, I got this in the bag and they're going to leave, right? Mm. You need to, you need to, I just say patience, man, just patience, become the best employee. And people say, well, my boss is a jerk. Like all the things we talked about, my boss is a jerk. Uh, He doesn't communicate with me. 
he's always scatterbrained. He's always changing the rules. Guess what? You, if you don't understand how to work through those hardships and still be a good employee, you're going to be that employer in yeah. a year from now because yeah. you're going to get busy and you're going to get overwhelmed and you're going to start hiring people. You're going to be scatterbrained. You're going to not know how to have difficult conversations with people. And then you're going to turn into the exact guy that you're trying to, you're trying to leave right now. So my advice mm -hmm. is, Hey, some people are just like, it's in their blood. Like, like mm -hmm. I described all of the different jobs that I had. I used to think like, Hey, I'm pretty well-rounded. My wife looked at my resume one time. She was like, looks like to me, you can't hold down a job. Some people <laughs> are just wired to be an entrepreneur yeah. to start businesses. Right? Yeah. And when those people come through your organization, just identify it, man. They could, they could go off and be all-stars. And if they came through your company, a lot of people are like worried about like training people and them, them going off and doing other things. But like if someone comes through your company and goes off and does great things, people are going to look at you as the stepping stone. I want to I want to go work there because look at the kind of person or professional yeah. that produces. And yeah. then you get some of those people in there that think I'm going to go off and do my own thing. Show them how hard it is to run a business. Show yeah. them how it actually is that you make a dollar, how you're supposed to stand in front of a client when they don't want to pay your price and you get them to pay your price because you're thinking I got payroll to make next week and I got to cover my workers compensation. Hmm. Like some of those great employees will come in with the idea of like, oh, I just want to spend a little time here and then go off and do my own thing. And then you show them what it actually takes to run a business. They'll be like, oh, heck no. You know what? Yeah. I got it pretty good here. I got a lot of freedom. I'm on a yeah. path to management or whatever. Why would I want to go and take on all of that risk and all of that stuff just to say it's my own thing? No, yeah. I'm just going to settle in here and be the best employee I can be. Yeah, that's really, that's smart. Um, couple, I'm going to give you a multi-part question here. Number one, it seems like a huge amount of, I'd say entrepreneurship, but just general business and startup mindset is so geared around tech and new innovation and franchise type things. And contracting in the trades is hardly included in the conversation of entrepreneurship, maybe because it's not new. You know, nobody drywall wasn't invented like last year. You, but that's of course just as much of a entrepreneurship entrepreneurial venture starting a drywall company so my question is for tradesmen who are doing this are are there specific podcast books blogs that are more relevant to them than the the the, the big stuff that's just seems so oriented towards you know getting two million dollars of startup capital and you hear that sometimes and it's like that just doesn't apply to someone starting in the trades yeah. So, so the question is like other resources, like outside of construction that. Yeah, that I, I guess. Our... I mean, can, maybe what, what else can, you know, learning and reading can guys do that's relevant for starting in the trades um, in terms of just prepping themselves for, for running a business. Maybe they got the trade down pat, but there's yeah. a whole other side to what they're going to be doing. Yeah. So, I mean, when, especially when a lot of tradespeople are starting out, they're going to default to the thing that they love, the thing they know, and you know how to frame a house better and the building science and all of those kind of things are out there. And then once they kind of run through the gamut of those and they know how to build a good project, then what, what I always recommend is you got to realize that the construction business is just a business and mm. businesses at, at some level uh, genetically are all the same. They, we have to have a a product or a service that someone's willing to pay money for. The only reason that anyone would pay money for is because it gives them value 
and you need to make a profit at it. So in the academy that we run, we actually call that the annoyingly simple business diagram. It just says you have this thing that you sell for money. Mm -hmm. The only reason anybody buys it from you is because it gives them value and you need to make a profit. If you don't have those four things, then you're not, you know, you're not running a business. So when you start looking for other resources, it's just, it, it can, you can really find some great business advice in a lot of areas. Like for me, one of the best investments I made in my business when I, I didn't, I wasn't a business coach before. I didn't know how to do marketing online and all of this kind of stuff. Uh, I came across, I was in, I was in an airplane one day and somebody had left a Harvard business review, picked up that magazine and was absolutely enthralled. And so you want to get access to how other people run mm. their businesses in other industries. And you can take a look at it like Harvard Business Review, get that and read it. And you'll be exposed to businesses of all kinds. And you can see how those different areas of business can apply to a construction mm. business. So that's, so okay. that's one. So you're saying don't, area. don't worry if they're not talking about a trades contracting business. No, it's all, no, business. Gotta, all okay. business is the same. So expand, you know, expand your ways to, to learn. So, and there's a ton of podcasts that I, I like, obviously people are listening to this one. Uh, but one of my favorite ones is, uh, how I built this guy Roz, if, mm -hmm. if you're familiar with him, NPR guy yeah. or whatever. And it yeah. is story after story after story of entrepreneurs and big, you know, tech companies, clothing companies, product companies. Yeah you've all heard of, but like you, when you get to the genetics of it, it's all the same. I didn't yeah. have any money. I didn't have any expertise. I just had an idea. I worked my butt off. Some of them go out and raise capital. Others, you know, do like guerrilla marketing in other ways and bootstrap it and that kind of stuff. And there's so much knowledge to be, to be gained mm -hmm. there. And it just depends on, don't look at it as like, oh, this isn't about construction. There's nothing to learn here. It's like, no, what can I take out of this? That mm -hmm. applies to my business, um, and so, yeah, so that's is, one of my favorite ones. Is um, is contracting a good business just generally? Meaning, if the if a person doesn't have experience, let's say you've never really been involved in the trades or a given trade, but you have you're wanting to start a business, is should that, that person steer away from contracting as just a business sort of class, or does it really require you know the journeyman program and then X number of years doing it. I guess for the licensing, you probably have to have the experience either way. But is it a good business just generally? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a great it's a great business if you approach it as a business. And I've seen a lot of, especially custom home builders who were like me. Like I didn't grow up in the trades. Uh, I didn't come up, you know, with my dad and my grandfather passing mm -hmm. down their tool belt and all of that kind of all of that kind of stuff. I really didn't. Uh, strap on a tool belt until I was working for that uh, that con that commercial contract I was telling you about, and then I got a around a bunch of tradespeople and professional carpenters, and I thought, well, I know all of the people. I'm going to remodel my own house, and because of the engineering side of it, mm -hmm. you know, I could do my own plans and all that kind of stuff. So I went, I literally went out and bought a hammer and a tool belt to remodel my own house, and I just hired out people. So I have found that there's a lot of builders out there that run great businesses who didn't, you know, to look at it on paper, you would think, oh, they'd be at a disadvantage. But because they didn't know the trade, but they knew the business side of it, their only option was to go find, you know, quality people, mm -hmm. superintendents, foremans, carpenters, and, and put together a team of subcontractors. They mm -hmm. never got stuck out in the field with the tool belt on, yeah. uh, and they were able to run the business. And I don't want to say stuck out there is because a lot of 
contractors reach out to me and they're like, man, how do I get off the tools? I've got this big business, but it all depends on me. Yeah. Um, so it's great from that aspect of it, meaning if you approach it from a building aspect of it. But the other thing about construction is, I mean, every single thing that goes into a house or to a commercial project or whatever is an opportunity for a business. And I, I tell the story, I tell this story all the time about, I met these guys on this commercial project. And it was, that's when the light bulb moment for me was like construction has so many opportunities. These were young guys. They all came in. They actually came, we were close to a college campsite. So they skateboarded in to the job site, pulled out their hard hats and they came into the office to get signed in. And I was like, who are these young guys? I mean, they were 18 to 22 year old punks, right? With their skateboard. And they had all of this rock climbing gear in their bags. Okay. And, and I was like, okay, you know, and I think I bumped into him. I was like, Hey, well, what, what are you guys here for? And they're like, Oh, we do all the external caulking. And I was just like, really? Yeah. That, that that's kind of cool. I was like, well, what's all the gear for? And he was like, Oh, well, I mean, we all loved rock climbing. So we had all of the gear and we just, we just found this. So they were a sub to a sub to yeah. the, you know, to the fire caulking sub or whatever. And I would, at that moment, I was blown away to watch these guys <laughs> when they weren't working, making a ton of money because they were doing yeah. something high risk and they were young and they already had all of the equipment. They just tied off to the building and they basically got to do rock climbing all day and got paid <laughs> for it and did their, yeah. you know, the exterior caulking. And yeah. then on the weekends and on the times off, they were just out rock climbing. And for me, I was yeah. just like, great business. And you see that throughout yeah. construction everywhere. There's, there's so many uh, opportunities to get niche. Yeah. And I was talking to a contractor yesterday and I just thought this was a great business model. He's in, he's in Chicago and, and so he's in a bigger market, but like all he and his guys do is demo. That's mm. it. That's it. And I mean, wow. think about, think about all of those contractors out there yeah. that they think they can do the demo themselves, but it's kind of a pain in the butt and you're probably overpaying yeah. your self, you know, to self-perform that work. And I've always told homeowners like, Hey, no, you can't demo a project because it's not like we see on HGTV where you just take a sledgehammer <laughs> to everything. Right. Yeah. There's a professional way to demo it. Yeah. This guy has an entire business set up and that's all they do is yeah. demo for other general contractors. And I just think wow. like, that is so perfect. Like he's like, yeah. nope, this is what we do. I hire people with very specific skills. The ones that don't have the skills, I just are, we're just teaching them this. Yeah. And he was like, stays booked up. Wow, that's really cool. And then he hands the job over to the contractor and it's squeaky clean and ready to start installing material and the contractor doesn't have to make 14 trips to the dump in his little, you know, trailer that is yep. too small and that's I mean, really this guy's really cool. Is dealing with high-end hmm. uh you know, high rises in downtown Chicago. Like the, you can't just send your guys in there and say, Hey, demo this stuff. I, I mean, it's 50, 50 trips yeah. up and down the freight elevator and all of that. So there's a lot of specialty that comes in yeah. to doing that. And, you know, again, mm. a lot of contractors with the mindset, no, we can do that ourselves. But if you're, you know, you're set up and you're selling your value and you're super niche. And so there are hundreds of avenues in construction companies. And I see it all the time. And you'll see like, like a roofing crews, for example, when, when I had my construction business and the roofer that I hired, like they had a cleanup crew. That's yeah. all they did is they showed up at, Just you know, 30 up. minutes, a couple hours or whatever after the yeah. roof started coming off. And they just went from job to job yeah, and cleaning up all of the stuff and all of the debris. And then they'd hit each job at the end of the day. And yeah. I was like, oh, where did you find these people? And he's like, these aren't my people. They're a sub, they're yeah. a subcontractor. And that's all they do. Yeah. I met a, I met a guy who had a corner bead business. In other words, drywall goes in and you, the tape and texture used to like the hangers and tape and texture, but 
this was just the corner beat. All they yeah. did was run through houses and nail on corner. Beat. It blew my mind. And he was making a ton of money. Corner beat. I was like, what in the world? What? Obviously, the regular drywall guys could do it. But I guess anytime you can specialize, you just get that extra productivity and yep. you can make everybody's life a little easier. That's amazing. Well, I really appreciate it on your website. In general, you're not promising, and we can all see why, that contracting is any type of a get rich quick thing. There's no promise of easy money. And could you talk about that for a minute? Because I think most of our audience would understand that already, but it is still, I don't know, it just feels like that's the most, like anytime you're hiring coaches or consultants, there's a faction that seems to be speaking to making money easily. So it doesn't sound like that's what you're doing. So can you speak to that? Yeah, I I steal a quote from Dave Ramsey. If you're familiar with him yeah. at all, you know he's a no debt guy, cut up for credit cards and right. entree leadership and all of that. You know, I think he probably has a two hundred million dollar business. Who knows? But he's he said, uh, you know, one of his programs, especially the the um, Financial Peace University, he said, hey, when you come into this thing, it's like you said, not it, get rich quick. He says we're not selling microwaves, we're selling crock pots. Like it's the slow, it's <laughs> yeah. the slow way to get there. Uh, yeah. Same, same exact thing that we teach our contractors. It's like, it's a, it's a process. It's one step at a time. Now I can, and we have a lot of, uh, a lot of proof of the folks that come into our business training Academy. I can look at a business and say, um, you can raise your prices by 10%. In fact, you have to, because you're not making any money. And what you need to do is stop wasting your time with these type of people that just mm -hmm. want free estimates and are looking for the bottom dollar. And you need to focus on selling in this way, having a script and you can raise your prices, but you got to do, you know, you, we can get you some pretty quick results. Now, over, overall, once you get there, then you're going to, as we say, you're going to earn better problems. When you get better customers, they're going to expect more from you which is because you're asking them to pay a premium price. That's a good thing, which means you're going to have to train your people better and you're going to have to do some better marketing and all of these other things. But but we can get, we can make certain steps pretty quick. Overall, the journey, yeah, it does take a long time. We're selling crock pots, not microwaves. Yeah. But individually, when you break things down, we can put some systems in place that have, you know, that have a really quick turnaround. One of the, one of the things first is for people that if they are not familiar with my book, Profit First for Contractors, then that's a, it's just a cash management system that guarantees if you do the steps in the book, you'll be permanently profitable, but you have to do those steps. And mm -hmm. the math is not complicated. And that's another thing. A lot of contractors think, well, I don't understand my financial stuff and the books. And I say, Hey, if you can read a tape measure and add yeah. fractions in your head on the fly, yeah. Yeah. that's way more complicated math <laughs> than the math of your construction business. And yeah. so a, a couple of fundamental, we do like to take the fundamental things and just hammer, hammer, hammer on those because everything builds upon that. And, um, but yeah, construction is not get rich quick. Um, it's get rich slow, but mm -hmm. it's a lot, it can be a lot of fun when you, re when you remove the stress and the chaos. But again, to default where I come from, yeah. it's one system after another. And I'm just a big proponent of there's a system for everything in your business. I think most contractors would agree that contracting is beautiful and so fun if you could remove the really terrible, annoying parts. But unfortunately, those are the parts that take up most guys' time, you know, in, in terms of hours of the day. So that's how come they could probably get burned out pretty quickly and just throw in the towel. So, and I, here, let me ask you this for myself and I'll speak for my dad here because I know he and I are the same in this way that hiring people is hard and I have this problem and 
when you hire somebody, you are it's like a pressure to keep them busy and you're worried about their productivity. And that has caused me and the businesses I've owned to just avoid it and just do it myself. And that's probably not the right way to own a business. So can you talk about helping? What what, what does it take to help get somebody past that and, and take that risk of hiring people, letting go of the control and managing that pressure of needing to keep them busy, even if it, you know, isn't as busy as you would be personally? Yeah. So the way that we kind of approach hiring is obviously you, you have to develop a process and get the right people in, but it's very important that you describe what the what the process is and how it's going to go when before someone comes on. And just being really clear, like when I hire somebody, I want them to do one of two things, either increase the revenue of the company and I, that's my responsibility to figure out what that position is, how that position does that and bring the right person on to do that or to save money for the company to make us more efficient. Like I'm either one of those ways, like that's that's how you're going to exist here. And we have this job for you to do that. Now, mm -hmm. here's the way you're going to do that. Here's what the job is. Here's your responsibilities. And here's the day to day duties. Let's talk about that because let's make no mistake about it. You're either here to make us money or help save us money. We mm -hmm. think that, and again, you can apply this to any position. We think that as a lead carpenter, as a superintendent, as a project manager, estimator, office manager, whatever that is, here's the way that you either make us money or, or save us money. And this is how you're going to be evaluated on this. So before you accept this job, if we offer this job to you, let's just be really clear about that. Because if you can't do this job, then you don't get to work here. A lot of times I I will talk to construction business owners and they say the, the exact same thing. It's like, man, that's, you know, we're really scared of hiring somebody because what mm. if they don't work out? Well, they yeah. don't work out. Then don't ever hire somebody. Don't ever start a business if you don't ever want to fire somebody. And firing mm. somebody sucks. It sucks because it most likely reveals gaps in your process or mm. it sucks just because it's kind of an emotional thing. But yeah. a lot of construction business owners will say, well, I'm, you know, that's a pretty big commitment. Like, yeah. I'm going to yeah. hire this person and they've right. got a family and they got to put food on the table. And I say, and this is back to the people pleasing thing. And I'm like, yeah. yep, I get that. But let's get really, really clear on this. It's not just a one way commitment. Like, hey, I'm going to give you, I'm going to gift you this job. Yeah. Like, you're, yes, you're making a commitment to someone and the commitment is, Here's a job. And when you do this job, I'm going to pay you to do that. Now, we want you to stick around. We want you to grow. And so we're going to invest in you and we're going to invest in our culture and all of these other things. That's my commitment to you. You got to understand that that person that's sitting across from the table that says, I want this job and I want to work here, they're committing to do the job you just gave them. And if they break their commitment to you, it doesn't matter if they've got zero kids or 15 kids, they <laughs> yeah. don't get to work here anymore because <laughs> they broke the commitment. But that people pleasing contractor is yeah. going to think like, first of all, this person wants 30 bucks an hour, that's 60 grand a year, plus all of the other stuff. That's like $70,000. Oh man, where am I going to get $70,000? And I'm saying, okay, let's boil this back. You know, let's boil this down here a little bit. If you have the right process in place, how long do you think it will take? for you to evaluate whether this person was a good hire. And most contractors that know what they're doing and have gone through some hiring and firing of some bad people or whatever, they're they're pretty sharp cookies. They know within a couple of weeks. Yeah. Like this, good. If you know they're not going to work out in a couple of weeks, then you fire them. 
Now I'm I'm not trying to be harsh, but that's why it's like right. I don't want you to fire. It's going to cost you more that more money. Right. That's why you got to have that hiring process in place to hire the right people. But let's just say, hey, here's the job. Here's everything that's required to do the job. If you don't do the job, you can't work here. Unfortunately, you make that commitment to me to do this job. I'll make the commitment that you get to work here. And after mm -hmm. two weeks, so you run out of you know you run out seventy thousand dollars worth of cost into two weeks. I mean, we're talking four or five grand. Yeah. You don't need $70,000 yeah. to make the hiring decision. You need right. a couple of rounds of payroll because if that person isn't making you money, yeah, then they don't get to work there or if they're not doing yeah. the job. Now, yeah, yeah, I just yeah. threw all of that out. It is not easy. It comes down to like, you've got to get really clear on what a job title is, what their yeah. descriptions are, what their day-to-day -day duties are. But man, if you can get that system in place, have that sheet of paper when someone sits across from the table and says, hey, we're really excited about you, but yeah. let's have this conversation. Here's the job. And by the way, you're here to make us money. And when you make us money, you're going to make more money or you're going to save us money. Let's get really clear about that. And then here's what we're going to, here's how we're going to measure you. So in a couple of weeks, man, sometimes it just takes a little while to figure out where the jobs are, <laughs> where we keep the you know, where we keep the sandpaper and the paper clips around here. So you've right. got some time, you know, a couple of weeks, 30 days to onboard. But after that, yeah. I mean, you got to, you got to do the job and it doesn't matter if they're senior level or if they're entry level. Hey, yep. if some, if I'm hiring somebody entry level, they have no experience, then yeah, you're going to have to train them a little bit more. But I can tell you what I do expect after the first two weeks, I can teach you or my guys can teach you or somebody in the office can teach you. I can teach you how to master the broom. Mm -hmm. I can teach you how to master the trash can. There is a, and everybody that's listening to this knows there is a right way and a wrong way to clean up a job site. There's mm -hmm. an inefficient way and there's a bad way. And you can teach somebody that very, very quickly. And that's going to be the first test. Yeah. Can you master the broom? Because if you can't master the broom, then you probably can't master the other things that we have coming for you. Yeah. So you don't get to work here. Yeah. Good luck, like trimming out a panel or whatever they're doing. Yep. Um, so tell us about what, what you're doing now, what the services you offer to contractors are. And if there's somebody listening to this, who has just been like nodding and like kind of really, you know, recognizing what you're talking about, what, what you can offer that person. Yeah. So we have developed and we actually launched this year, uh, it's called the built to build Academy and what the built to build Academy is, it is uh, on demand business and coaching programs, training and coaching programs for contractors. And as we say, we create confident construction business owners who want to stop worrying, make more money and get their lives back. So the way that we've developed the academy, there's three levels in the academy and we don't have to get into all the details, but there's, it, we call it built to start, built to grow and built to lead. Built to start program. And again, there's a combination of all of these things. There's online courses that people can take. There is live group coaching where they meet with me and my team and other business construction business owners. It's only for construction mm -hmm. business owners. Uh, they meet with our group uh, four or five times a month in live group coaching calls. And we're all about building systems. And then there's one on one programs where people work with me and other coaches uh, you know, on a one on one basis. But the, the built to start program. We just, we lay the foundation, time management, the business owner's time management. So as we teach mm -hmm. time management, effective time management, we call it uh, our paid for planning sales system. That's where, you know, I, I've, this program's getting, you know, picking up more steam now that we've been advertising and putting it out there for four years. But it's like, we don't, I teach my clients, you don't give free estimates. And when I say mm -hmm. estimates, you don't run around town 
get doing a bunch of professional services uh, for people. You sell them over the phone and get paid to wow. produce that proposal and all that stuff. Yeah, up, interesting. Up, yeah. up front. So that yeah. that's in our entry level because that's foundational huh. the way that we develop our systems like yeah. time management, the sales system, no more free estimates. We yeah. get paid for professional services and then the profit first for contractors, which are is our financial system. So you can understand the profit and loss statement and all that. That for us, a lot of people say, oh man, that's a whole lot. Yep. That's entry level. That's where we're going to start. That's the built to start program. Then the in the built to grow program, you, we build upon that, that foundation, and you learn about hiring, estimating, scheduling, and customer experience. And that the Built to Grow program is typically a three-month program, but includes live group coaching and a lot of other stuff that come with that. And then our Built to Lead program builds upon those two uh, layers, and we talk about, uh, we teach our clients on a one-on-one basis. This is our kind of our mentoring program about marketing, budgeting, analytics, forecasting, leadership, and communication. All of the stuff that we talked about before, about like how to communicate the leadership, the personality, all of that is in our uh, on our one-on-one mentoring program. So if anybody's interested in that, they can just go to builttobuildacademy.com and you can join the wait list uh, or you can apply for a program. So you can go to builttobuildacademy.com slash apply and you can fill out our application. My team will review that. And then we just depending on what size of business or whatever we can we'll either end up on a phone call and we can answer some questions about which program is the best fit for you. Cause a lot of contractors, they're just, they, they've never done coaching before. They haven't done yeah. some of this other stuff. And so they're kind of like deer in the headlights. And so that's why we say, Hey, apply for a program. We'll walk you through it step-by-step and we'll, we'll get somebody on the phone. Most likely it'll be me, but it could be one of our other coaches. And uh, we just answer your questions and see, we want to get people plugged into what's going to be a right fit for them. So yeah. that's the, the Academy is the uh, the product of the last four years of working with hundreds of construction business uh, owners all over the world and putting this stuff into a systematic. And that's what we say. It's like, it's not step by step. We teach system by system and we teach you how to create any system in your construction business. Well, I wish you did coaching for YouTube channel people because I'm like <laughs> needing somebody to like help us with some of these same systems. But uh like you said, it's probably all business, but I, I'm sure there are some contractors listening to this who are feeling that it's not pressure. It's just stress and that weight of being behind and trying to keep up. I've sometimes wondered why there's not more, I'm not wondered, but you know, franchises are kind of a nice business because they build all these systems for you, you know, if it's a KFC or whatever. But with contracting, it's just, I don't know why, it's just harder to, for a franchise to work out. So people, I guess, have to come up with those systems either on their own or just struggle, which is what yeah. a lot of them do, huh? Well, a, a lot of times too, like you're talking about the franchise, you know, there's, there's barriers to entry for certain, for certain professions and certain yeah. uh, businesses, right? You got to step up with the, to do a franchise. You got to step up with some money. Yeah. And, and for a lot of construction businesses, especially great ones out there, you're competing with all of the, like, guy with the truck and some tools says he's a contractor and like <laughs> you've gone through years and years of experience you've got systems in place and you've done some of these other things but your customer hey they don't know unless you tell them like yeah. what's the difference so that's there's there's no shortage of contractors that are struggling because there are very few barriers to entry like i said the 
rock climbing caulking guys, right? They just saw a need and they filled it and they got yeah. into the business. Who know? I mean, who knows what systems they have built or, or whatever. Right. But if anybody else wanted to come in and do that same thing, they probably could if they weren't scared about yep. going over the side of the building. Very yeah. small barriers to entry there. And so what the, what makes the difference too is realizing that like you got to separate yourself from those people, from, from the contractors that are just struggling. They're always going to struggle because mm-hmm. they think that, their way is the only way. There's only one way to do it. You can't charge more than 20% and clients suck and all of this kind of, all of this kind of stuff. You right. got to understand like when you struggle in your construction business and you ask other people, you got to consider the source. And again, I'll go back to Dave Ramsey. He always says like, don't take advice. Don't take financial advice from someone that's not a millionaire. Yeah. So for you <laughs> contractors out there, I know you got a great, you've got, you've got, a great network of people that you rely on a lot of technical information, but you got to look at their business for the, you got to consider the source. And I'm not saying that we've got it all figured out, but what we do have it figured out is we brought a, a group of construction business owners together and we know the systems that we teach mm-hmm. work because we've seen it time and time again. And that's, that's what we're all about. So if you're struggling in your construction business and you're reaching out to your network of people, then realize you got to understand, are they running a systematized streamlined construction business? Mm-hmm. Are they making the money? Do they, are they using money as a metric of effectiveness? Mm-hmm. If money is just money for them and they're, they're caught just being a people pleaser, then you got to step outside, get outside and get some outside perspective on your business. If you really want to run a business that you can remove yourself from. And that's the great thing that we teach in the academy is saying, we want to give you the ability to do whatever it is that you want to in your business. If you want to wear the tools all the time. Great. Create a business that isn't mm. dependent upon you wearing the tools God, that's and then cool. you can do, you yeah. can do whatever you want. Yeah. And that's cool. we've had clients that come through and I'll tell you, this is, this is the hard part. Like when they go through all, the whole Academy and through built to lead, and we've had clients that have sold their business to their employees, or they just get to be the CEO. They're, they're not even running the day-to-day operations. They're just owning the business. They mm-hmm. have called me and they said, Sean, man, I, I got a problem. And I'm thinking like, oh crap, what's, you know, what's broken? You know, who left, who quit? What do we, what do we got to put in place? <laughs> and they'll say, Sean, I don't know what to do. Hmm. What? Wow. I, I've got more money than I've ever thought possible. I'm spending more time with my kids and, but they, but I don't know what to do. And it actually causes stress because they yeah. spend 10, 20 years fighting these fires and yeah. dealing with this chaos. And yeah. then when they get that relieved, it's stressful. They don't know what to do. My answer yeah. is always the same. Okay, mm. we're at this point. Take a deep breath. Just go do it again. Like go start another business or do whatever you want. But yeah. for those construction business owner, owners out there, and, and some of them are probably pretty close to that. I'm just yeah. letting you know that day is coming. There's some stress there too. When you become successful, you're going to look around and yeah. be like, crap, what, what am I supposed to do? That's why I say like plug back into the community. You become mm-hmm. a mentor. You find somebody and just pour in, you know, pour into them because that day is coming where you'll yeah. feel stressed because you don't know what to do because your team and the systems are working. Yeah, well, it's it's not fun to be so busy and so spread out, but it's also not fun to be idle. You know, think that's like half the torture of being unemployed. It's like it's all the torture of being unemployed. It's it's misery to be not doing something productive. Well, Sean, thanks so much for coming. This has been really interesting. And if I will put the links to all of your sites and um, social media accounts in the description and in the show notes. And I really feel like you're doing a just a valuable service. I, I don't know if this type of coaching 
it has been around long or not. I have no idea, but I'm, I'm sure there's people who you're really helping. And I think it's just terrific and can't thank you enough for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. And uh, whatever I can do for you and your audience, just let me know. Sounds good. Okay, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, Sean. All right. Thanks, Nate.